Music Law Podcast with entertainment attorney Mark Quayle. The information in this podcast is not to be construed as legal advice. For any questions of a legal nature, it is strongly recommended that you seek legal counsel in your local jurisdiction. Mark Quayle can be found on the internet at markquayle.com. That's Mark with a K, Q-U-A-I-L dot com. Hi, I'm Mark Quayle. In this podcast, we're going to cover some of the basic concepts in music publishing and how money is made from songs. So, what is music publishing? Music publishing, quite simply, is the business of causing musical compositions to earn money. I'll take it that we all agree that music has a monetary value as we pay money to hear music, whether it be through the purchase of CDs or the payment of concert tickets. The business models that have developed over the last century, including the sheet music business, the record business, and the practice of licensing music to film and television productions, are all based on this acceptance of music's monetary value. The term music publishing causes much of the confusion about what these rights refer to. The term has its origins in the days over a hundred years ago when sheet music was the dominant form of music distribution. Music sheets were printed and published in the same manner that books were. In the music world today, sheet music is no longer the main source of income for songwriters, but the term still defines the business of making money from songs. Don't confuse music publishing royalties with record royalties. The person who performs the song gets royalties from the sale of records. The person who wrote the song gets publishing royalties. The two types of royalties are separate because the copyright in the record and the copyright in the song are two different things. Let's look at an example. Bob Dylan wrote the song All Along the Watchtower. He also recorded it. In that version, Bob Dylan will get the record royalties as being the performing artist on that record, and he'll also get the music publishing royalties as being the songwriter of that song. Now, a year after Bob released his version, Jimi Hendrix recorded the same song. Jimi Hendrix will get the record royalties because he was the performer on that record. Bob Dylan will not see any record royalties from that performance. However, Jimi Hendrix will not see any of the music publishing royalties as Bob Dylan wrote the song. Bob Dylan will collect all the publishing royalties derived from the sale of the Jimi Hendrix recording. Okay, how is money made? Generally, there are six ways a songwriter can make musical works available to the public and expect to receive compensation. The first one is by authorizing a mechanical license for the musical work. This is one of the reproduction rights related to music that is generally established by the copyright acts in the countries that authorize it, including Canada and the United States. It involves granting a record company permission to manufacture records, tapes, CDs, and any other sound carrier format containing sound recordings of the musical works in question. Such permission in the music publishing business is called a mechanical license. The record company manufacturing the records is obliged to pay a royalty for each musical work for which copyright still exists and for every sound carrier unit that has been sold or otherwise distributed. In Canada, the mechanical royalty rate is determined through negotiations between representatives of the music publishers and songwriters, otherwise known as the Canadian Musical Reproduction Rights Agency, the CMRRA, 
and representatives of the various record companies who have grouped together under a trade association called the Canadian Recording Industry Association, otherwise known as CREA. Contrast this with the situation in the United States, where the mechanical rate is not determined by negotiations, but by administrative tribunals, the Copyright Arbitration Royalty Panels, operating under the authority of the U.S. Copyright Act. Let's take a closer look at those mechanical rates. Currently, in Canada, the official rate is still being negotiated by the parties that I just mentioned, but they have been operating on the idea that the rate will be 8.5 cents for a musical composition, 5 minutes in length, and an additional 1.7 cents per minute for each minute over 5 minutes in length. It is expected that the rate will increase as of January 1st, 2006, to mirror the increase in the rate set in the United States, except that the rate will be in Canadian currency. The rate generally increases every two years. These royalties are generally paid by the label manufacturing the record to the CMRRA, or alternatively to the Society of Reproduction Rights of Authors, Composers, and Publishers, otherwise known as SODRAC, which handles the French-speaking repertoire in Canada, and those societies in turn pay the composition's music publisher. By contrast, the current U.S. mechanical rate is 8.5 cents per song for the remainder of 2005, and as of January 1st, 2006, it goes up to 9.1 cents for each musical composition, 5 minutes in length or less, plus an additional 1.75 cents per minute for each minute over 5 minutes. Outside of Canada and the United States, the mechanical rate is not described as a certain amount of pennies per song, but is calculated as a percentage of the published price to dealers, the PPD, which in rough terms is the wholesale price of the record. In continental Europe, the rate is 9.009% of the PPD. In much of Latin America, the rate is between 8 and 8.5% of the PPD. Whatever money is collected as a result of taking that percentage is divided up between the songs on the album. International surveys on music publishing show that this royalty comprises about 30% of any music publisher's total annual earnings. Now, there's another form of mechanical license, and that is the broadcast mechanical. This type of mechanical license permits broadcasters such as radio stations to make a temporary copy of a musical work on a computerized file server, and this is not to be confused with a public performance license, which is going to be discussed later on. These temporary reproductions of music are also known as ephemeral recordings. The broadcast mechanical royalties are familiar in Europe. In the United States, Radio broadcasters benefit from an exemption in the U.S. Copyright Act, so the broadcast mechanical does not exist as of this time in the United States. In Canada, this right was introduced with the 1997 revisions to the Copyright Act. Now, the next way to make money from songs is by authorizing the public performance of the musical work. As established by the various copyright acts in most countries, a songwriter has the right to control the performance of a song in public. Performance is often defined by using words like any acoustic or visual representation of a work, including a representation by means of a mechanical instrument, a radio receiving set, or a television receiving set. As a result, 
radio stations, television or cable networks, restaurants, subject to certain exceptions, dance clubs, and other venues which use music are required to obtain permission for the right to do so. The fees paid for these licenses by such users are generally referred to as public performance royalties. International surveys on music publishing show that this royalty comprises approximately 45% of a music publisher's total annual earnings. Our third way of money collection for songs is by authorizing the inclusion of the musical work in a film or television production. This is another variation of the reproduction right. Fees can be derived from the license of the musical work for use in motion pictures, cable or broadcast television productions, commercials, satellite broadcasts, videotapes, interactive media, websites, etc. In the music publishing business, such a license is called a synchronization license because the musical work is used in synchronous or timed relation to the moving pictures. These licenses dictate the terms upon which the production can utilize the song in question. Items such as the fee, the duration of the permission, the amount of the song to be used, and the permitted territory are the most important deal points. The fees for such uses are dictated by the market and are reached by negotiation between the musical works administrator and the intended user. Again, international surveys on music publishing show that this royalty comprises approximately 10% of a music publisher's total annual earnings, and that figure is growing each year. The fourth way to make money that we'll look at is by authorizing the musical work to be sold or distributed in print form. This is another form of the general reproduction right granted in most copyright acts. As was mentioned earlier, while sales of musical works printed on paper generated the largest share of a music publisher's income in the first decades of the 20th century, such sales represent only a small share of the overall income today. Print music is sold in various forms, and those include sheet music, which is generally one song printed on unbound sheets of paper containing music and any accompanying lyrics. Another form is the folio, which is a compilation or anthology of sheet music bound into a soft cover volume. A songbook that contains a compilation of songs by various artists is called a mixed folio. There are also personality folios, and those are folios consisting of songs written, recorded, or performed by the same artist or recording group, or written by the same songwriter. A personality folio that contains only the songs appearing on a particular record album is called a companion folio, or sometimes a matching folio. International music publishing surveys show that this royalty comprises approximately 5-10% to of a music publisher's total annual earnings. Another way that money can be made is by authorizing the musical work to be sold or distributed using new technologies. In the 1990s, this category was very small. With the rise of improved and smaller electronics, a music publisher can now publish its musical works in such items as greeting cards and other forms of merchandising, streaming audio from websites, digital downloads, MIDI files, software or multimedia products, and the like. Such new uses like website streaming raise complicated issues that blend some of the traditional concepts of reproduction rights when the musical work is fixed on a computer hard drive 
and performance rights when that same work is then streamed to the user. While these uses generate a small income now, it is expected that such uses will grow to rival the traditional uses in the coming decades. The final category I will mention is not found in the U.S., but exists in Canada, and that is the private copying or the blank media levy. The 1997 amendments to the Canadian Copyright Act legalized the copying of sound recordings for private use, generally known as home taping. As a result from this change in the law, this new regime also provides for a levy to be added to the price of blank recording media, cassettes, CDRs, CDRWs, mini-discs, etc., which is in turn paid as a royalty to the various rights holders. This levy came into effect originally in the year 2000, and it is paid by the manufacturers and importers of blank recording media and is collected by the Canadian Private Copying Collective, otherwise known as the CPCC. So, that concludes our review on the ways that money can be made from songs. I hope this has been helpful. You've been listening to Mark Quayle on the Music Law Podcast. Again, you can find me on the web at markquayle.com. That's Mark with a K, Q-U-A-I-L.com. Keep writing those songs, and until the next podcast, stay well. Mm-hmm.